is there an end to this? Like, do I do this forever? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. None of us has the answers, Gerald, but we're all doing our best to find them. Welcome to the first episode of 2022 of You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster, joined by Brenna Jennerette, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, and podcaster. This is the podcast, You May Contribute a Verse, where we talk to kid lit creators, share their stories, and learn from their journeys. Can we all just get a little break here? Can we switch gears, start fresh, get some wind in our sails, make a little headway? It ain't easy out here in the trenches, surviving while creating. Welcome to 2022. 2022 is about manifesting greatness in ourselves and in the world. When will it all end? When we will it to be so through our intentions and actions and good vibes. We are the versions of ourselves who have done great things and will do them again in the future. Bren is in my conversation with author-illustrator Gerald Connors was so fun to have and such a positive way to open a new year in an uncertain time. Gerald Connors, a creator whose career has touched on multimedia, on games, on animation, on writing, on illustration, and on education, is in a particular stage of his career where he is the main character of his own story, with motivations and intentions and inspiration that he's following to grow himself, his craft, and his sense of satisfaction with the world. Good vibes and a good reality check here. Take our chat with Gerald and enter 2022 with some creative wind in your sails. Create for the sake of creating. Here is Gerald Connor's verse, yeah. which we'll probably end up talking about today. I'm turning. Yeah. Here we are. So I have a couple different cameras. I have the overhead one I use when I stream. I have my webcam, which is directly above my monitor. Uh, but I have this one, which I prefer. Um, but you'll see me looking back and forth between the monitor and, and here, because of course I want to see you when I'm, or I want to look at you. <laughs> do you I'm multicam you. yourself when you stream? I do. Yeah. 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 You toggle back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, I never knew if that was done in in post, like you cut it in, or if you do it live. What a challenge to do it live. I, I do it live and I enjoy it. Like um, when I'm drawing, I'll have the overhead camera looking at what I'm working on. Uh, but then if something occurs to me, I want to talk to uh, whoever's watching, then I'll just, I just hit F2 and, you know, I've set up hotkeys. So I switch between camera one, camera two, or camera three. Uh, <laughs> your own producer. That's I'm my yeah, own producer. Was, when when I got the critique with Gerald and we sat down and we did we dummied out my manuscript, he he was doing the same thing so that I could see what he was looking at as he was like pasting in, you know, the dialogue and going through and whatever. It was yeah, it was really cool. It was very helpful to see what he was doing and not just to, you know, explain to me because I was sort of like, no, wait a second. I lost yeah. you. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. So it was, yeah. Coming from the other, it's, it's, the other perspective. It's good for from from your point of view, but also even from mine, because like holding things up to the mirror this way or to the camera, it has oh, a mirror sure. effect. And I, I always find I'm pointing. It's counterintuitive. Like I'll move I'll move my hand right, <laughs> but on the camera's going left. So yes. it's um you get used to it quick, but every time you step into it, you do it backwards and it's um yeah, I was going to say, I, I would think of active camera switching as being distracting to your process. But in that sense, if if the other op uh, alternative is to hold it up to the camera, yeah, that's much better than 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, situated. Right. Yeah, like and backing um, up a trailer for the first time, is same thing. Like it's counterintuitive, and you're like, I hope I don't crash. What's going yeah. on? Yeah, <laughs> higher stakes, but similar. Yeah, higher, much, <laughs> much higher stakes. <laughs> so, what was um, it that that you guys did? This the it wasn't just a critique. It was you donated it out. Exactly. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, as a writer illustrator, I have a process um, and my process changes by project, depending what it is I'm working on or how I'm inspired. But there's one way of when you build a book, you're actually like building like a paper copy of the book as you go. And if you start with a manuscript and try to fit it into this physical object, that's, that's actually 32 pages. It feels very different than if you're working like on a, in a word doc of the same number. Um, it's, it's tangible in a different way. You know, you, um, you have a sense of how far along through the book you are. Uh, more than you get like, you know, like from scrolling down a screen. Um, so what I offered uh, to Brenna was a chance to go through that process with me. So we had her manuscript and then, um, uh, which I gave a critique to. And then afterwards we cut it up and then pasted, you know, with, with glue or tape, I think we used. Um, yeah, right. Paste, paste it into the book. <laughs> yeah, I was out of glue. Yeah. Ah, the physical yeah, right. process. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. It was Super helpful, yeah, to put it out like that and then see like where the dialogue falls or, or you know, where the narrative falls, all of that stuff in the page turns. And then also beyond that, we had talked briefly about like, you know, on the cover, you can actually write by Brenna Jennerette. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like you're manifesting this book out into the world because now you've got this thing you can hold on to. I actually yeah. have it. I still have it in here. Yeah, but it's like then you can hold it because it's like, right. you know, then it's this thing, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, anyways. There's a lot yeah. of great things about it. Um, I, I, um, I'm interested in manifesting and I have different thoughts on it. You know, I, I love the idea of it and I feel like I've seen actually people manifest things. Um, I think I'm self-conscious in a way that I can't really say, uh, I will, well, you're not even supposed to say I will have a thousand followers. You, you're supposed to say I have a thousand followers and then it manifests right, itself. Right, right. But yeah. there's something about that act that I'm I'm just that little bit too self-conscious to like stand up in front of the world and be like, I have 1,000 followers. I'm like, oh, maybe you don't, <laughs> maybe you won't. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. It's very you know four, like four-dimensional of you. You think the, mm-hmm. that the version of yourself that exists in the future with <laughs> with 1,000 followers <laughs> is the same as the version that's today. It, it Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how it's supposed to, to happen and work, you know? Like it's not... It's, um, it's the same version of you, right? It's not a hypothetical. Right. It's not, it's not a potential. It, it is you, um, just a little my, bit further ahead. My hang up with, um, with doing that sometimes, cause I feel like I have been able to manifest stuff in my life before just by, mm-hmm. you know, really like focusing on it and concentrating on it and like, you know, making those things happen, like just showing up. So, but my one hang up with it is it, it can actually be super powerful. So then it's like, well, mm. I need to be really sure that I want to manifest this thing because otherwise, right. It's kind of like uh, Billy Twitter's blue whale problem, right. In (laughs) Matt Barnett's book. Like if I manifest this blue whale, then what? It's true. But, but what you said about um, manifesting, it's true. So, um, you know, there's this other thing. So whether or not you believe like in the actual, like, like, like physically manifesting into being, um, there is this idea that, you know, like we, we do shape our reality by how we perceive it, right? Like, you know, pessimists go through the day expecting birds to crap on their head and then sure enough, <laughs> birds crap on their head, right? Because right. um, they're in some way, like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy or, you know, um, 
but no, I get that. Like what you said, like you're, when you, th- when you think about manifesting, you're like, oh my God, like, like be careful what you wish for, be careful what you're thinking about because, um, yeah, it just might, it might come true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you'll have a blue whale, a blue, <laughs> blue whale problem. Just like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so we've been recording now for seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't done any proper introduction. So, um, yeah. Jero- who, who, who are you, person who who's, here, who, who's here with us? Hi, who, my name is Gerald. I'm curious, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious who, who you are or how you think of yourself as a creator. Okay. I am, my name is Gerald Connors. I'm an author, illustrator. Um, I've worked in kids' educational media for almost all of my career. Uh, way back in 1998, I worked for a company called Apace, the Adv- um, associate, that's it. It was the association for the promotion and advancement of science education and working there. I met, a a person who became my best friend, uh, Jason. He was very much into computers. He was a programmer and we met at this job and, uh, started creating science games together. So this was, this was like proto web games. Uh, this is like the oh, earliest yeah. days of the internet. Yeah. So we started <laughs> making games awesome. and, oh, it was great. I mean, like we, uh, for a long time, we were sort of like the only names in the game, you know, and, and we made, we built a yeah. lot of really, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was amazing. We built a lot of really fun things and that sort of uh, just unintentionally, cause I've always drawn, I've always drawn, um, uh, to a lesser degree I've always written. Um, but that really set me off in this direction of, of creating media for kids. So over the next, um, I guess 15 years, I worked uh, creating web games and also um, uh, interactives for things like museums. I worked for the Lawrence Hall of Science here in Berkeley or up in oh, Berkeley cool. near us. Um, built back in the day of, of Flash games, uh, built some games for pbskids.org. Um, oh, Noggin. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, I, I my never... son loves that, loves PBS Kids so it's, many. It's, it's so good, but I, I should qualify that. Like I've never worked for... Um, uh, PBS properly, but I've, I've done contract work for people who work for PBS. Yeah, sure. Um, so that led me, um, well, in terms of picture books and being involved in kid lit, I've just always been interested in that. I was thinking about it going into our talk today, that maybe my, my first love, um, was animation definitely wasn't picture books. I mean, I, Mm. you know, I love them. But I always gravitated toward books that, you know, might have been like um, uh, properties, you know, like like Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. storybooks or, or Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck comics. Uh, not long after that, I was really into comic strips and but never figured I had what it took to be a daily syndicated cartoonist. Hmm. Um, which is a demanding, incredibly demanding uh, vocation. Um, yeah. kids books, kids books have just always sort of been there. You know, even when I was younger, like in elementary school myself, I used to read kid books in the library to the younger grades, um, which I remember uh, really, really fondly. So that, that's something actually that's, you know, been sort of a common thread through my whole life. When I thought that I became... was super fun reading to those kids. Oh, I, I used to love it. Awesome. But, yeah. You know, what? I'll tell you what. So the, the animation connection there is the books I always pulled off the shelves were the books by Bill Pete. He was an animator for Walt Disney. Uh, oh, huh. he did, he did a lot of the storyboards. He was one of the main artists behind, uh, Dumbo. Um, oh, 
okay, yeah. Uh, well, he was really young. He was really young when Dumbo came out. But uh, the Jungle Book was act- and uh, Sword in the Stone were both storyboarded by him. Oh, um, wow! That's but he wonderful. wrote he he wrote a whole string of uh, kids books, and they all follow that format of the classic like six minute Disney short. You know, it's about like mm-hmm. some ant, like Lambert the Sheepish Lion. You know, like it's like it's like this oddball creature who doesn't quite fit in, but you know whatever set him apart also. Uh, proved he had what it took to save the day yeah um, yeah so those books are my favorites i read those to those kids like every every day for a year so in um in more recent days uh, i became a, i became a stay-at-home dad which translated into doing a ton of volunteer work at my kid's school the school at some point decided they wanted to build a steam lab that's uh, one step up from stem it's science tech engineering arts and math the arts got added, added in. Um, when they built it, the PTA president at the time, a woman named Beth Aney, uh, who was a big advocate of mine, she said, you know, Gerald's here all the time. We really should be paying him. So when the teachers went to the school and said, we want a steam lab, the PTA said, sure, we're, you know, happily uh, fund that. By the way, you should hire Gerald for the job. So they did. It became my classroom. Awesome. I taught there. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really <laughs> great gig. I taught there for five years. Uh, up until this year, I stepped back, um, which... I miss, um, yeah. I, I miss, I miss seeing the kids every day, but I'm also glad, uh, to be able to focus again on my more creative work. Not that that wasn't creative. I mean, it's a steam lab. Everything we did was, was about creating. Yeah. Right. Per- personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, so did you step back to do more of the, your YouTube streaming I, stuff and your stuff? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the byproducts of the pandemic was um, in our last, in my last year of teaching, we moved to Zoom school. So I taught my classes over Zoom. Um, at the end of the first year, before we moved fully into Zoom, I was, um, so my, my class is special. I have my own classroom, but you know, every kid in the school visits it. So all the different grades drop into my classroom or used to drop in my classroom once a week. Oh, wow. They would, I bet that was so, your favorite class, like across it, the board. Those kids <laughs> yeah, were not, probably not, so stoked. Not to toot my own horn, but I mean, how, how can it not be? I mean, like, you know, you walk right. in and I have a Lego wall, a magnet wall. I've got yeah. toys everywhere. We, we oh build things. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I tell them stories. You know, I, I used to start every day with, I would pull out either a newspaper or my phone and I would say terrible news. And then the kids would say, what, what? And I'd be like, a truck overturned. And I would read it as if I was reading from the paper. You know, I'd say, uh, right. at 8 a.m. this morning on the Bay Bridge, a truck overturned spilling six tons you know of cat food or something and and then i would say the kids uh, no! uh, local authorities are looking for a group of brilliant children to solve this problem and then at that point they're like that's a fake story you know and i was like well it looks real to me i think we should get on it and then we would you know like they would build either like scoops or or uh, helicopters with you know different devices attached to the bottom or or uh, cool. or you know maybe like herds of cats to to come in and and eat i would always pose a problem oh, and then would... yeah, yeah yeah you just need oh. one giant cat where's that kid that kid's brilliant smart. there were John there were <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 funny you know because um uh some kids were just sort of there's this idea you know like there's a right answer and a wrong answer i'm like there really are no wrong answers here you know and in fact my favorite things are the ones where it's like a giant cat you know comes in eats the food <laughs> right. it's a trained cat so we're going to need a fleet of cat handlers and cat trainers and, and also don't forget oh, the litter box. Right. So there's going to be now a dump truck full of sand 
behind this cat, you know, like, um, this is great so. infrastructure though. All those jobs that you've just created, oh, right. With this cat yeah. and the handlers and the on and on, right. Mm-hmm. Those people have to be paid like this. Is, uh, this is it's... great. A small economy has now moved. In. <laughs> <laughs> these are the problem solvers of the future. These are, these are the, uh, minds I'm, I'm taking a small part in molding. They, yeah. uh, yeah. So, so that's the kind of thing we would do in that class. So I step, oh, so uh, my, because I didn't have like my own class of kids, but I had a, many different classes of kids. When I moved on Zoom, I would visit the other teachers in their Zoom classrooms and, and do lessons with the kids. Um, nice. But because I felt like I wasn't doing quite enough, especially in the early days of the pandemic, you know, I think we had this feeling that, um, you know, we all just want to do as much as we could for, for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I felt that way. Uh, I, I started making YouTube videos for, for some of my students. They could ask me a question. I would answer the question on YouTube. So that turned into uh, me live streaming and telling stories on YouTube. The premise of that being that I would, uh, I would start by picking some random words as a prompt and then any kid watching could just help me build the story. So we would just go ahead and, and build the story. Oh. So the kids would narrate and I would take their words and add picture or take their ideas, you know, and, and build oh the story. Oh my gosh, way. it's like live ad libs. That's so smart. Yeah. I mean, how fun is that to actually interact and like help you build a story? That's so smart. Well, conceptually, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> okay, okay. Tell me the more. reality, the reality is I had an incredibly small viewership. I had maybe three or four dedicated viewers, kids from the school, uh, who would drop in maybe once a week or so. Um, my my viewership is is one, and it's my son. He tunes in or tuned in almost every single episode um, so to support me. It was it Aww. was. Uh, and it's it's it was incredibly sweet um, and very touching, but it's also nice because he'll actually say like like now say hey remember a year ago when you told that story about the prospector I'm like hey yeah like thanks for remembering it's I'm, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to know someone's watching. Oh, that's really sweet. So yeah. so has the YouTube stream sort of evolved then? So it's not so much the viewer yeah. participation, and it's more it's more um, taken on sort of a, a different perspective or different, a life of its own? So, so it has. Um, so I think there was a question at the start of all this. And, and I guess the, the, um, my decision to move out of teaching was that, um, because of this habit of streaming, um, I feel like I'm on a creative role and I haven't been on one in a really long time. Oh yeah. And, and, and this felt really good and I didn't want to give that up. So moving into this fall, I told the school that I wasn't available and, mm. uh, I'm focusing on you know, turning my stories into actual um, like, like building things out of them, whether it's a dummy or, or a book or whether or not I submit it. I just want to take some of these stories and actually make something with them. I, in preparation for today, I made, I wrote some stats out. So since I started, I've done a, a total of 153 live streams. Oh, wow. Uh, total, total hour stream is 187 hours. Uh, some of those episodes are what I call recap episodes. I, every 32 episodes, I stop and I look back at what I created because 32 being you know, like an auspicious picture book number. Yeah. Um, so I don't write in every episode. And then some episodes might just be you know like me having technical difficulties. So my total <laughs> writing time since I started doing this is 178 and a half hours. And I've written in that time 92 stories. Wow. Um, so that's... Um, <laughs> When you say you like are what's on a creative role, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am, and I mean you know some of those stories are are bigger than others. Some are more 
No, I was going to say some more complete, but they're not. They're actually all complete. I set myself the goal of actually finishing every story. So I don't move on until one is finished. Uh, Within the context of an individual mm -hmm. live stream? So early on, uh, when I, when I, the, the parameters change, I, I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm just winging it and no one's watching, right? So I can do what I want. But early on, I, I made the challenge of completing the story every live stream. Mm -hmm. Um, the stories wow. got progressively more and more complex until I was telling like kind of like mini epics and my longest broadcast was about two and a half hours. And at the end of it, like <laughs> I, I remember at the end of it, I signed off. I said, thanks for watching. I, I clicked and, and I, I felt like I had just walked out of an exam in college. Like I felt like that, that mental exhaustion, you know, like when you, like when you had like this really extreme uh, final, you know, if, if you remember that feeling yeah. of walking out and just kind of like, like, like slumping into a heap, like that's, that's, um, <laughs> I left that and I was like, oh my God, you know, like I just, I felt beat up. Um, you manifested too hard. <laughs> I manifested the hell out of that story. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So these stories exist, you know, I, um, you can see behind me, like I have um, a set of filing cabinets. Like, like I said, yeah. the common thread through all my work and through everything I've done has been this idea that, you know, I love writing and telling stories, but, um, my, my follow through isn't, isn't always the best, you know, like, so, well, mm. my favorite part of the process is, is this part. It's, it's the rough draft. I love, I love like building dummies. I love the glue. I love the tape. I love, I love scissors. I like, I like holding this tangible object. And so I kind of decided, you know, like I would just, I, I used to beat myself, beat myself up over that. Like I'd say, you know, like you're not finishing anything. You're, you've got a thousand projects on the go. You're, you're you know, like, at some point this is just too much and, and it's, um, it's suffocating and it's, uh, it takes up too much brain space, but mm -hmm. something about doing that live stream, I decided just like to lean into it. And I'm like, you know what, this yeah. is my favorite part of the process. I'm just going for it. And so here I am 92 stories later, um, <laughs> you know, doing the same thing with, and I, I have to admit, I do wonder like, is, is there an end to this? Like, do I do this forever? Like, I don't, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I reached 100 episodes and it felt like a little bit of a, of a landmark, you know, like, yeah, like may, yeah. maybe this is where I stopped, but then I carried on. And, and so I'm, uh, I'm still going. I guess lean, lean into plus. it. Yeah. And yeah. Right. I was going to say lean into it until, you know, until you fall over. Right. Like in, as, as, long as, the, <laughs> as long as the lean is good. Right. And you haven't like fallen the other way. It, it's right? true. You're it's still true. Enjoying it. You know, if that's, if that's your favorite part, because I totally empathize with having like so many unfinished drafts and I'm mm -hmm, trying really mm -hmm. hard to sort of focus that energy and revise, revise, revise until it's polished instead of like, Revise, revise. I hit a wall. Oh, this is like such a slog. Oh, shiny new idea. I know. I'll right, just write right. something else, right? So then, yeah, they just like pile up and you're like, ah, <laughs> like, <it's> too much. <laughs> so yeah, I get that. Um, you, you said one thing there that um, it reminded me. Do you know the story of those? Uh, it was the New York brothers. They were recluses and, and hoarders. And no. they, eventually, they eventually found that they had built in their apartment uh, they had collected so many newspapers that they had like built this elaborate set of tunnels that like they, they burrowed through the newspapers. And when eventually they found them, um, they were, they were trapped underneath up like a pile of, uh, 
trapped in and many days gone. Oh my, um, oh my they god! They were buried alive underneath these newspapers. So when you said, you know, like lean into it until <laughs> until you fall over, <laughs> I just had this image of of my many many uh, manuscripts, you know, just like on top of me right right well not to that extreme i don't i don't want that i don't want that <laughs> yes, to be your end gerald but <laughs> is the twist of those brothers that they were like mice or cats or something living in these like in these like, oh no tunnels? no just that would be a, yeah that would be a good twist if it wasn't that that would be a good twist so, but no just some so just some um some unfortunately sensitive people who um uh, yeah. couldn't couldn't find a way to manage yeah. themselves healthily. Yeah. 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 Bummer. What, so what, what is it that's going to make you feel like you're in a good spot with 92 stories? Mm. If you hit, hit a hundred stories, you said that they're complete. You're presumably not actively querying any of these. I, I'm um, not actively querying any of these. I, I, um, I, I've, taken a few of them that I feel are, um, I don't, I don't want to say marketable, um, but the ones that seem to fit, well, I guess that that's what marketable means, but like the ones that I can actually like see, like maybe on a shelf, right? Cause I see all yeah. of these as complete books. They're all proper stories and they're all, uh, you know, um, this is another hang up I've had, you know, like, like, uh, worth telling, you know, like, um, mm. Uh, sometimes, you know, like I'm in the past, I might've worked on a story and been like, well, come on, like, like what, am I really going to waste paper on this? Like, it's a goofy story. Like why, why even, um, and I also used to think that, you know, like, like of all these like weird thoughts that you can have, like, I would be like, eh, mm. I don't really want to waste a tree on this book, you know, which, mm -hmm. which is kind of foolish, you know, and, and my perspective now is like, like, no, they're, they're all, they're all valid stories. And, you know, like even, right. um, even the most oddball or goofball are, um, you know, they're, they're not worth any less than any other story. You would have stopped um, yourself a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. No, if, totally. If that was I, your criteria is perfection. Yeah. It's, perfect I, and trust me, that's been a huge, um, battle for me. It's like, like, like dealing with that voice and, and working, mm. working against it or, or around it. Um, so some of the stories that I, that I see is like, you know what, maybe this is a book I would like to see in hardcover or a book I would like to see on the shelf next to some, next to some others. Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken those books and I've actually uh, done a revision, um, um, dummied them up a little more properly, um, you know, even scanned in some cases, colored them slightly, N nothing, nothing too extreme. So mm -hmm. none of these have, um, I'm not actively querying, but but some of these books do exist in a form that would be appropriate for that. Is that the goal? Like, would you like to have some of them out there in the world, or is it just is it really just the process and just having the stories? I go know? back and forth on that question so often. Um, mm -hmm. I think you, you know, stepping away from teaching has also given me like another perspective, which is that, uh, and I think it's probably why. All, the majority of us do this, which is that, you know, we're writing for kids. We enjoy writing for kids and telling stories to children. Mm -hmm. um, I feel maybe in some way, like I, I'm, I'm satisfying that by, by putting it out there and it's on YouTube where any kid could watch it and where some kids mm -hmm. do take part with, in it, with it, interact with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I need to get one of these like life, coaches or career coaches to help me define those because I'm not, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how I feel about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I I asked that question because um, following you on Twitter, I see, you know, there's, I feel like your creative, like, well is so deep and just so, like, I see you, I see you with these like awesome ideas all the time. Like I had that one taco pitch for the last, the last one and I posted it and you liked it. And then you came back like a couple hours later and you were like, hope you don't mind. But I, I, wrote out, you know, I drew these pictures for your pitch and I was like, are you kidding me? Of course I don't mind. But the, like, you're so, I feel like you um, so freely share your creativity and your ideas where other authors or illustrators kind of hold those really close because you're like oh well I don't want mm -hmm. anyone to steal this I don't want anyone to see what I'm working on or you know that kind of thing which is it's really sort of refreshing and also and just like really cool to me that you're just like oh whatever like this is what I really like to do and I'm just gonna do it and share it because yeah ultimately that's the point right we like to tell stories to yeah. kids and to get the work out there and to sort of inspire them and you know like I don't know make life not so threatening so yeah, I mean, yeah. in that regard, it seems like, you know, like you are totally like satisfying that, that, you know, uh, request, I guess, from, you know, what you might want out there. Yeah. And, and thank you for saying that, uh, Brenna. And um, it was fun to draw that thing for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a couple things there. And like, one of them is sort of that, that caginess, I think that a lot of people, you know, like you say, like they hoard their ideas and, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I get it. Um, I guess from like my point, <laughs> uh, what, what was I thinking? Like, um, if it if it's not marketable, if it's not a money maker, then I'm all in, you know, <laughs> right? Like, if it's like if it has no place, if it has no place anywhere, then then I want I want to be a part of that thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I I I don't know why I'm wired that way, you know, but but I am. Um, I, I remember um, there, <laughs> I, I had a Kindle at one point and, you know, there's a lot of eBooks on there uh, mm. that where you might find, oh, all right. So it's kind of like a bigger picture <laughs> thing. So, so let's, let's, let's pull back a bit. So I'm, I'm involved with a couple, a uh, couple different communities, right? Like there's um, a game development, uh, comic books, and, and also KidLit. Comic books has a really, really robust independent scene. There are people out there making zines, making comics, uh, you know, like their own things mm. uh, just for the sake of creating. You know, they, they really love it. They, they're, they're putting their whole selves into this and they make these projects that, um, that I appreciate. I, I, I really enjoy seeing those things, you know, like um, uh, photocopied, stapled, you know, like they might be like the smallest little blurriest tattered edged production, but, but like it has, it has all my heart. Um, yeah. Kidlet, on the other hand, there's um, people look down at self-publishing mm. uh, in a very harsh way, yeah. and I I get it. Like I get it in a lot of ways because I do think the um, motivations behind the independent creations in Kidlet are a little different than the ones in in comic books. In comic books, you know, I think there's some, more of a self-expression there and and people putting themselves, which might no nah, people self-publishing kid that might not be coming out of that from the exact same place. That mm -hmm. said, uh, self-publishing and kid has such a terrible stigma. And I, I think that's really unfortunate, you know, like I'm, um, 
I think there's a lot of good stuff out there. So what I was going to say about the Kindle was my son's favorite book for a long time in the Kindle was this story about Orangey the goldfish, right? And I, I loved it because <laughs> it was orangey. Like we, <laughs> writers can stress so much about like, you know, what's, what's a clever name for this? I'm going to workshop a really clever name for this goldfish. Like I'm thinking Archimedes, you know, because like he's in water, you know, and, and it's a STEM-based book and, you know, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe we call him Cracker because goldfish crackers, you know, I don't know. But this guy was just like, he probably asked his kid, like, what's, what's, what do you want to name your goldfish? And a kid will say, orangey, you know, right? It's an orange fish. Like, yes. um, so yes. the story was about this kid who went to a pet store, picked up a goldfish and, you know, the drawings were crude. The story was simple. Um, I'm sure the author, the last thing on his mind was like word count or page turns, you know, but my son right. loved that book. He read it over and over as an early reader. He was like, uh, not, not that he was an early reader, but like um, when he first lead, learned to read and like, like handle books himself, like there was something about that book mm -hmm. that he was just proud of having finished it. He loved it. And it was, it was Orange the Goldfish. <laughs> I mean, I think about this from time to time too. And your point is well made that, that so much of what we think about as picture book creators and writers of kid lit is about getting to market, getting through the filters mm -hmm. of publication, getting an agent, yeah. getting an editor, getting through, you know, acquisitions and mm -hmm. all those mechanisms. But, uh, and, you know, again, acknowledging that self-creation largely runs the risk of just it's people taking advantage of a, an easier path to making a buck. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, there's there's no question here. It's just absolute acknowledgement that um, where there is passion, there should be a path to exposure. Um, but that's really difficult with what we do. And also not at all um, the conventional wisdom of the path we should be following. Your cat has mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. ideas about background noise there. <laughs> <laughs> My cat just knocked something off that shelf. Yeah, yeah, right. She's like, this interview is over. <laughs> exactly so much for your 92 stories exactly did i hear did someone say goldfish yeah um, right <laughs> well i think you know part of um what started this i remember i well it was recent obviously i remember it but um uh the fish with dentures and i'm not sure what the the start of the thread was but someone had yes. mentioned on twitter you know like uh bad ideas and i how kidlet creators face this all the time right people say say to us I have a great idea for a book. Um, one time someone said that to me and, and it was, they said, it's a fish with dentures. And I'm like, okay. And they said, yeah, you know, like a fish with dentures. And I'm like, is there anything more to this? <laughs> but apparently as, as a family, when they were at uh, this person, uh, when they were younger, traveling with their family, somehow there was a joke in the family about um, grandma dropped her dentures in the Creek and a fish got a hold of it. And now there's just this picture in her mind of a goldfish wearing dentures. Um, awesome. and, and there's nothing more to it than that, you know, and I, I, you know, like the cynical, the easy thing to do would be, to be, it would be to be cynical and be like, that's such a stupid idea. Like you can't make a pitch book out of that. But I, I, again, you know, like the way I'm wired, like, I love that idea. And I love the idea of there being like, like, like a 32 page book about nothing more, but like a fish with like this big grin. Swimming, you know, where, wherever that story goes, it could be about anything, you know, it could, right. um, I, I don't know, but like, um, it would have been easy to make fun of that and to dismiss that idea. Mm. 
Uh, but but I would rather think like, yeah, like what what is that vicious story? Like, how did he get this denture? And what's what's grandma doing now? Is she only eating? Can she eat chili now that she's camping? I guess not. Like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> what's grandma? So maybe the story is even about the fish. Maybe the fish steals the chili, uh, the the teeth, swims off, and now grandma has to like yeah, gum a sure. pine cone for dinner. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe grandma takes issue with it and she's like on the hunt now for this goldfish, right? Oh. The whole like chase scene and grandma's yes. pissed and she's like, I want my effing teeth back. Like, so this is, this really is like a Melville epic, right? It's like Ahab yeah. in his leg, it's grandma and her teeth and it's not the great white whale, it's it's orangey. Right, right. orangey, yeah, orangey. It's orangey the trout. Yeah. <laughs> Are we yeah, drifting love- dangerously into uh, Gerald streaming waters? We're just going to workshop. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to turn my overhead camera. And- yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, let's dummy this. Let's get it on board. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It could go so many ways. Um, yeah. Like Which is why. Too. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I really like the point, you know, that you're making about there is no bad idea. There is no mm-hmm. dumb idea. That's why Cookie Pitch took off the way that it did. You know, that's why authors and illustrators are so stoked about it, because it's like, yeah, you can have this horrible idea and it may not be it may not be kid friendly. It may not be, you know, exactly polished for somebody to pick up, but it's fun. And it is there's some you know, there's an outlet for that. And people want that. All they want is that creative outlet. And I think it kind of circles back around to what you're saying about kid lit versus sort of like the more like, you know, grungy, like sort of like, you know, more more hard edges of like zines and self-publishing mm-hmm. like kidlet is just it's very polished like it has to be kind of perfect in order for somebody to want to put it out into the world you know so but there's all these other great ideas yeah like grandma chasing the fish to get her dentures back i mean right like I, kids would love that <laughs> yeah but, Getting that into the marketplace, I don't know. I don't know if there's, you know, if anyone would pick that up. Who knows? But yeah, and that's the unfortunate reality, right? And I, we, we right. just have to content ourselves, like with. Well, I mean, I haven't answered that question myself. Like, why am I doing this? I guess I'm doing this just for the sake of doing it. And you know, if, if you find joy in it, which I do, uh, then keep yeah. keep doing it. And and you're right about taco uh, cookie pitch. Cookie pitch is um such a joy because I think it it definitely it resonated with me and. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some people who were, um, uh, they were using it as a different kind of outlet, which is maybe like to vent a little and to like, like just throw some curse, curse words into kids, but which is fine. I mean, I think that's <laughs> funny too, you know, like, yeah. um, um, you know, like, like, uh, the, the parody of Goodnight moon, you know, um, yeah, people right. like, people like making those. <laughs> um, but, but there is this other side of cookie pitch that I like, which is, you know, people taking maybe like their weirder ideas and, and sort of throwing them out there. And I would love to see any one of those creators who threw it out as a joke say, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something with this because it's, it's funny and fun and um, it deserves, yeah. it deserves to live. I almost Brenda think that lives that, that. Your, oh, Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, my very first taco pitch, I turned into a, a polished manuscript and sent to my agent recently and he actually oh, nice. really liked it Which, yeah so excellent it, uh, was, yeah it was the tony tofu one that i told you about when we were oh yeah we were that's right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so we'll we'll see what comes of that but yeah i was gonna say i feel like gerald maybe your maybe your like whole like purpose or, or your cause is to like make a place for these ideas that are that people might think are bad or like not good enough because you're i mean your live streaming does that like it makes this place 
that you can just do that. Like it's fun, you know, it's this creative outlet and it's sort of like, yeah, like there is room for that. Like, why not? You know, why I, shouldn't there be? Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe I would try that. I, I worry that the, uh, Kid tendency to hoard ideas, or to, I shouldn't say hoard, but to hold ideas close to them. Yeah, yeah. Might be stronger than the allure of me <laughs> <laughs> gabbing yeah. at a camera for one hour. But um, yeah, right. But I would happily yeah. welcome anyone into like you know like a kidlit salon, you know. Um, uh, or maybe like a couple of people come on with their cookie pitches, their ridiculous cookie pitches, right? And we come onto your live stream and we like storyboard them together, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Back in, uh, I think it was 2016, Slate.com, they, they offered a challenge to their writers, uh, which none of whom were um, uh, kidlet authors, but they said, here's uh, an animal and here's an idiom and write a, write a story about it. So it was oh. hedgehog. It was hedgehog. And the um, uh, saying was, when one door closes, another opens. And they said, go for it. So these four authors wrote for kids books about this hedgehog and oh they, they had a limited time they they had to do it like in an hour oh my gosh um and so they <laughs> like they were they, for your live streams completely because <laughs> i actually um following watching that and i i have this here i can't um listening audience won't be able to see it but i love the idea and i wanted to take part so just on my own at home i i did the same thing so i made this little book called breakfast for hedgy and, oh um, i love it yeah, I mean, so I'll, I'll describe. I'm I'm holding a book cover. that measures about one inch by two inches uh, yeah, between like my thumb and forefinger. But do you know what? It's yeah. it's the size of a matchbox, but it has it has 32 pages. It has end papers. Oh it has a fake oh, little ISBN that. on the back. Oh my god, uh, it's so great! <laughs> <laughs> um, I stopped short of making it a dust jacket, but yes, it has end papers and, and little stories. This- I and I, I'm glad we got to talk about this because in preparation for this conversation, I, th- I came across, yeah. Okay. So it's listed on your website and I did oh. my <laughs> damnedest to find where I could find your books to be able to read breakfast for Hedgy. Cause it sounded like an interesting concept. <laughs> Lo and behold, it's super tiny and mm-hmm. it's an edition of one. <laughs> Very limited. Very limited. Um, <laughs> my so a large portion of my work uh, no longer exists because um flash the the um uh, the, the game engine has been retired so pretty much everything i've ever built has just gone into um the digital ne- never never mm. um in terms of books i have breakfast edgy <laughs> edition of one however <laughs> i i did make a digital version of this so you could find it maybe on kindle Oh, awesome. Dollar ninety nine worth every penny, I'm sure. <laughs> Free if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited. I'm not hawking for them, by the way, but I was just trying to find a place to put it out there. It was kind of an experiment to see how um, uh, Amazon's Create Space works. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote and illustrated a ukulele instruction book. Oh, that that's another uh, side of me. I received um, a ukulele for a birthday present one year, and um, so my, my wife got it for me just sort of like, um, as a joke, um, you know, like if, if, if you like it, great. If you don't, it costs 40 bucks, you know, and I picked it up and I strummed it and, and something clicked. I was, I was all in. 
So I I started, yeah. So I started a ukulele site. Um, and again, back in the early days of the internet, you know, like I was probably one of like six ukulele sites. Um, I started posting songs on there and, and, uh, lessons and, and things. Um, and then at some point it clicked that I was like, you know what, I've pretty much built a book here online. I should just turn this into a ukulele instruction book, which I did and, and self-published. And that actually did really well. Oh, cool. Um, it's out of print now only because I didn't really want to manage it anymore. Um, but I was mm. thinking of turning it into an on-demand, um, um, so much has grown up around, you know, like the world, um, print on demand, which was very clunky in the early days is, is actually quite sophisticated and immediate now. So that mm. book could actually uh, exist as a second edition. And I really should because I still get, um, it's, it's touching. The site is still up, but it's it's not active. But every couple months, I'll get an email from someone saying uh, how much they appreciate the site and check in to see if I'm okay. <laughs> because oh, wow. I noticed you've yeah. been updated lately. <laughs> and it's really sweet, you know, and they say, well, I just, really I don't, it, it, they're not saying it, but what they're saying is like, are you still alive? You know, right? And they're saying, I hope this <laughs> right. finds you well. Um, I just want to drop you a note and say, thank you so much for your site. Um, it, it, you know, taught me. Are, to you, bar- are you buried under a stack of manuscripts? I'm st- buried under a stack of yeah. 6,000 unsold ukulele instructions. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, I mean, this is a delightful sort of like reality check this entire conversation. Uh, mm. we were so concerned with the path to success, but this notion of find it when you do it and make something of it is so refreshing. And I, yeah. I appreciate your perspective that, that the sort of success that you should look for is satisfaction within yourself and your live streams and your books and, and all that. Don't worry about everybody else. It's good. It's good to hear you say that. Cause, um, I, I, you know, I feel like I, I, um, I live that philosophy, but I don't know if I always recognize it because there are times where I think, you know, like maybe I should have more stuff out there. Someone posted that on Twitter. You know, they said, um, uh, would your younger self be proud of you or no, what would your younger self think of you? And I, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like, honestly, I think my younger self would be a little disappointed that I haven't accomplished more. Um, at the same time, I believe I've become the person younger me always hoped to find as a mentor, but never did. Mm. Um, so I can take, I can, um, I can allow myself to have a lot of pride in that actually. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I, I mean, I, yeah, I take equal issue with that point. I mean, my younger self was ignorant and, you mm-hmm. know, wanted to go live in New York or LA or something that was completely unrealistic with who I am as an individual. Um, so kind of irrelevant what, you know, 20 years ago I would have thought about myself, Yeah, but yeah. I feel satisfied with who I am now. <laughs> Yeah, just the yeah. most important thing, and who I will manifest myself to be in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I I love the perspective I've gained um, as a as a more mature in in years person. Um, it's 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 nice. I like I like this perspective. Yeah, there's a. I just wanted to uh, throw out really quick. There's a um, there's a pretty um intense rock climber that i follow on instagram her name is alex johnson and she had kind of a not a troubled past but she had a lot of she was bullied a lot in high school and middle school because she was gay and she hadn't come out yet and you know there's a whole there's a whole kind of thing around that and her following now is very much you know she's an advocate for that community and she really puts herself out there and she tries to you know mentor other kids who may be in the same situation and um 
she often says, and I, this is probably not her quote, but she often says something along the lines of, um, you know, she's trying to be the adult or like the person that she wishes her older self might have, you know, come across in her, you know, when she was having such a hard time. Um, so, you know, doubling down on that and sort of giving back to that community and being that person for these other kids, I think is, yeah, it's, you know, it's what you, it's what you were saying, Gerald, you know, like you're being that person that you wish your younger self might've run into as like a mentor or somebody who's like, you know, really taking joy in the process of doing it. Cause sometimes, yeah, you forget like the writing of it or the actual spark of an idea is why you're in it. It's like, that's the excitement for me anyways. Like that's in my brain. I'm just like, Oh, this is great. You know, like I have to get to a computer. I have to write this down mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily matter if it goes anywhere. I mean, of course it kind of does. Like I would love to have a published book out there, but if, if I never do, I still have all these books. Like my son knows all my characters. He's always asking about, you know, Owen, who I wrote about in this, in this first book that I had, you know, like he is concerned about, you know, well, mama, what's a series and what happens if this happens, you know, just it's, yeah, it's, it's fun for me to do. So I have to remember that and not get so wrapped up in the rest of it. Yeah. And you know, and I, and I actually do want to acknowledge too, that I'm speaking from a place of privilege because you know, like if I was trying to make a living doing this, then I'm sure I would feel very, very differently. Mm, um, yeah, but my, right. my, like, um, my ability to create these stories just purely for the joy and, you know, just their own sake, um, that that's very different than if I was, you know, like hustling, trying to get these, um, trying to get a, a paycheck out of a publisher. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I would not be so carefree. I would yeah. not be sitting here saying, "Do you go ahead and write about fish and dentures?" Who the hell cares? Right? No, I'd be like, well, the, "You know what's hot right now? Puppies, puppies, and tomatoes. Right. That's what you want to write about." Always unicorns. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Brenda, the joke that I was going to make was, um, you know, don't don't let Dan, your agent, hear you talking about creating for the sake of creating. <laughs> you want to you want to write things that are marketable uh, that'll, right, that'll right. reach publication. <laughs> well. <laughs> something that just occurred to me too. And I, I think, I, I mean, I know this very much about myself, but what I said earlier about if a project isn't marketable, you know, like count me in. And part of that is um, I, I have a, a mental block with money and it's very uh, hard for me to talk about for whatever reasons. Um, but um, yeah, I, I could, I am, it's, it's no surprise. I'm like pushing myself into this direction because like, it's, uh, oh, just the thought of like, dealing with someone uh talking about money that's it mm. it's hard for me i don't i i i approach a lot of things um just like an open mind and you know like i'll, I'll try this and see what happens but when it yeah no I, I i have a hard time talking about money i really do mm. yeah money is a tricky subject just like politics religion i feel like those are all just subjects that you're like whoa i don't know are we gonna mm. We really want to talk about these. I don't. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> it feels crass and and passionless. To I I think from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'm sure there's you know I mean um, people could argue otherwise, and there's many there are many many different ways to look at it, but I just have a hard time squaring uh, myself with those things. Well, Gerald, thank you so much. I uh, are we at really time already? Off. <laughs> Unless, is there are there other things you would like to chat about? I don't I know. Wanna, I want to make I want to make sure Josh has enough time. to work. I want to make sure Josh has enough to work with. Going into this, I was thinking if I was if I was hosting a podcast, a big part of my brain would be uh, preoccupied the entire time with like, what's that sound clip, right? Like, what am I going to use as like the uh, the intro to the thing? So I was, right. mentally, I was I was preparing a few 
um, a few good hooks, <laughs> a, a few, a, a couple sound bites, something you know, like oh, maybe compelling right, or a little us. provocative. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, okay, yeah. Go, what do so. you got? All right. S <laughs> e b w i, more like S e b w t f. Am I right? I think that's, that's the title. I think you could, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe. Oh my gosh. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, uh, oh, they 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 present themselves as as nice, but kidlet authors are the most cutthroat people I know. There's that one. But then, if 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 it doesn't fit the vibe, we can say the most welcoming community is is the kidlet one. It's the. It's they're beautiful, wonderful, generous people. It's going the other direction. Just yeah. slingshot it. To the I want to give you options. I want to give you options. This was, this was really enjoyable. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I had fun too. We have manifested episode 33 of You May Contribute a Verse to Completion. Gerald's socials are straightforward. Find him on Twitter at Gerald Connors and at GeraldConnors.com. J-E-R-R-O-L-D-C-O-N-N-O-R-S, since I always spell everybody's names. Watch his YouTube live streams. They are absolutely delightful. As for Brenna and me, You May Contribute a Verse is a homespun production, produced, edited, recorded, conceptualized, and marketed by Brenna Jenneret and Josh Munkin. Hit us up at verse.show and find the show and me on Twitter as at verseshow, that's V-E-R-S-E-S-H-O-W. Find Brenna on Twitter as Brenna Jenneret and at brennajenneret.com. Look in the show notes for her name. The artwork for You May Contribute a Verse is new. Look at our Twitter account, Verse Show, for more information about our new mascot, Versi. Um, this is a picture that was done for us by Maddie Frost, uh, author-illustrator who will be appearing in an episode in the next few weeks. The show's music is provided graciously by Robbie Zarr via tracks from his album, A Tragic But Happy Horse. Engage with his music and musings at partist.com. That's P-A-R-T-I-S-T.com. If you would be so kind, however you're listening to this, let us know what you think with a comment or a rate. It means a lot. And remember the answer, that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. <laughs>